Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Welcome. This is Coach's Corner, um, and this is the first in the series. And as you can see, we're starting off pretty strong um, with uh, Dale Kirby and Joe Cottrell. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening, now, there may be some people who don't know who you are. They may have been living under a flag football type rock, but let's let's uh, let's let's think about these poor people. Joe Cottrell, care to introduce yourself? Uh, oh, tough. <laughs> My name is Joe. That's a good start. Uh, no, I've been playing for the Cardiff Hurricanes. Founded them uh, a few years back. Uh, recently, been playing GB. Um, and just kind of generally out there, I guess. Uh, play for SWC and a couple of other things, but, uh, but yeah. There you go. Humble start there from Joe. Uh, <laughs> Dale, you've got a few more years on the clock, I feel. Um, but Mike, uh, thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, introduce yourself to the world that may not know of your legendary status. <laughs> I don't know about legendary. Um, uh, I started playing 1993 um, in, in, in Cardiff. Um, went to Cardiff University, played for the Cobras. Um, you look surprised. Um, I, did, I did contact till about 2005. My um, last team was um, Sussex Thunder. 2003, sorry. Um, 2004, right about then, uh, with Sussex Thunder. Uh, and then got into flag. Um, like Joe, played for GB for a, for a few years. I was fortunate enough to go to, to five um, European Championships, but, but never the world. Um, and I've done quite a bit of coaching, um, flag, a bit of contact recently with Surrey Stingers, working under um, Andy Scott, who's a, a great teacher. Um, that's very recently. In fact, we're, we're back to training again tomorrow, which is very exciting. It's actually, yeah, uniquely exciting. Um, but uh, let's not try and dwell too much on the C word. Um, yeah, I didn't realise you were originally um, uh, in in Wales. I, I just remember you. I think Chichester Sharks was our, our main um, uh, coming to. Not that I got that close to you at any point during those times, but um, occasionally we'd meet for the coin toss. But um, that was about as close as I ever got actually in that stage. So yes, and um, what we're here to talk about, uh, dear viewers and or listeners, um, <clears throat> specifically, uh, we've got two topics to come up with, and I've asked the, each of coach to kind of um, uh, come up with their topic. To be fair to Joe, I uh, was very specific because I, I attended a BAFGA conference in, fill in the blanks, Joe, 20... I'm going to say 2018, it could be 19 though, I have no idea, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't get the timeline right, but I'm going to make you blush here, Joe, and say it was easily the best one I've ever seen, as in your individual talk. It genuinely made me. I think what it was really interesting was that you really went away from uh, any basics, any essentials, and really kind of was pushing sort of it to the next level, at, at the same level that the, the tackle conference was at. So, uh, and I do include my own talks uh, in that. So, yeah, you were. It was really interesting and the, what you were talking about that day was use it was a lot of offensive talk but one of the the pit that really um pricked my ears was um the use of multiple quarterbacks um <clears throat> now you know in the, we, we were talking previously and then dale mentioned about sort of um how those high-flying mexicans and, and americans use it but um at the other end of the scale um with the Black Widows, often I find myself, I've either got a team of five quarterbacks or, as you remember, Dale, a team of no quarterbacks. And then you still, and what I've kind of, the concept, I've, and that's more often than not, to be fair, that I've not had a, a quarterback. Um, one of the things was, well, if rather than just press ganging a player into being the QB, what if everyone kind of had a, a slice of that pie and was everyone... I've still got to play sort of the receiver positions, but um, 
Yeah, if you just want to kind of go back over the basics that you covered on that on that day, Joe, about the multiple QB system and what your thoughts uh, were on the ethos and, and the technical side. Um, yeah, so overall, I, I do think uh, as kind of a foundation, I do think Britain as a whole doesn't really develop throwing skills probably as much as it should. Um, obviously, in flag football, it's one of if not the biggest facet of offense being able to throw a ball uh, especially the higher level you get is just so so incredibly important and um i think it's very telling that you watch teams warm up and uh, you'll see you've got the one quarterback the one that thought he could have played quarterback but actually throws wobblers and then the rest of the team who all, all fight to be qb seven eight or nine and um is amazing because you can watch a team and instantly tell um, who the throwers are in a team. Just 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 throwers, not even quarterbacks, just people who can actually throw the ball. You see the ball leave their hand and it's just kind of wibble wobble, end over end. It's not great. Um, and I do think that, you know, it's a skill that you kind of develop. I think I was a bit lucky in, in a sense. Definitely not a textbook quarterback at all. Played a lot of cricket uh, and such growing up that kind of just allowed throwing a ball to naturally come obviously the ball size not quite the same but um for me is about kind of developing everyone to be able to throw the ball so at the moment at kind of hurricanes um if you if you watch us play in the final or something or play against us you'll know there's there's two of us who will throw the ball but i'd probably go as far to say i trust anyone on offense to throw a ball maybe not in every situation but on any given down i wouldn't say no to someone being able to throw the ball i feel confident enough that they can all throw the ball to a good good enough standard maybe not manage a game and do everything else but that that's a good good sort of a foundation and then it just kind of leads on to when you use a multi-quarterback system and um, if any of you ever seen the UK Dukes play, they essentially have a team full of quarterbacks. And so when that happens, you never quite know where the ball is going to end up on any given play. It kind of gives every, it makes every defender not only think about coverage and who they're up against, um, but then is also, right, I actually need to be able to blitz because... For me, I, I never practiced blitzing for, for such a long time. And it's not until sort of past couple of years where I thought, right, it is handy to just just expand my game a little bit. But also you find yourself in training having to blitz a second quarterback. And if you don't break down or, or know how to black, uh, get your hands up, get in the way, pull flags at that sort of pace, it is a difficult skill. Um, and given the situation that you're blitzing a second quarterback, you don't want to be the guy that just gets run around. Uh, and, and obviously in, in that situation, it is, can be tons of space. So it opens up so, so many avenues uh, for me. And, and But like I said in my, in my talk, the biggest thing for me, and it's one thing I don't think British teams do enough, is to build an offense around their players and their skill sets. There's no point in you starting the season and saying, right, we're going to go all guns blazing. We'll just be absolutely vertical as can be. We'll throw deep balls 50% of the time and uh, go for it. And then you, you rock up, your team can't catch a ball over their shoulder to save their lives. And, I mean, it takes them all six seconds to get downfield. So at that point, it, you're going to struggle. That That's not the offense for you, in my opinion. But in my case, I... I was super super fortunate that the, the the year i guess that's just passed in flag um i had a ex canadian university player with me who played quarterback in university and won a ton of state championships and so so forth so for me that's something really really special because given who else i have around him uh i had costas chris joe's and the keys all fantastic receivers and if i can put any defense man on man on any of those guys let's play ball because that's something i'm very excited about as an easy prospect they're all great players so so yeah it, it is such a deep thing and it's not for me just all right just chuck a guy back there and let him run around and throw a ball and do i ever get a bit messy 
and it is a massive massive uh, topic indeed indeed actually just just cutting briefly there to dale about when we talk about developing throwing skills and uh <clears throat> you know in the uk uh, I guess it's not a sport that has a similarity to football. So, um, do, do you share Joe's kind of uh, um, despair <laughs> that we've not got enough quarterbacks or in, enough people? Yeah, uh, enough people who can throw with a with a reasonable technique and be comfortable. I, I think Joe explained that really, really well, and I think he alluded to the fact, and I'll come to this late, later on, that it is more than just the mechanics of being able to throw a football, but, but that's really, really important. I um, I went some years ago, you'll remember this name, Andrew, Joe Kilby. Um, he oh, was at yes. a quarterback training camp run at the University of Hertfordshire years ago. Um, yeah. Jim Messenger was still, still involved with the women's programme at that point. And it was a guy called Darren Slack, who, Joe, you may well yeah. have heard of. Quarterback guru. Um, it was an amazing two days, and and actually the amount of detail that goes into teaching somebody to throw a ball um, properly and with accuracy and with touch when you need it. It's a it's a really really com complex um, complex skill. So I I don't despair, I suppose, because I've also seen people throwing quite an unconventional way. I mean, Joe, when you watch you you play. Yeah, you will adapt, you know, and you will throw the ball in a in an atypical way in order to get the ball to where it where it needs to go. So it might not be what you would expect on um, on the contact field. I know you were at Swansea you know, previously, uh, Welsh rivals, boo. Um, you think of somebody like Neil Henderson, you know, as Andrew, as you said, that was with the Sharks for a number of years, and and that was tremendous. And again, very unconventional in the style, but but adapting i suppose a way of throwing in order to to do something that you can you can do in flag football that perhaps you can't do when you've got an, an offensive line in, in front of you um but yeah not a skill to be underestimated um at, at all yeah agreed agreed thank you for that dale so joe just expanding on that concept then um what do you think is the first uh, you know going perhaps beyond some of the obvious what's the first kind of um advantage that having that amount of QBs has on you in, in play design and uh, concept? Um, I think it's two big areas and um, I think obviously it's quite I, I'm going to talk a lot about sort of my experience and, and sort of how we play in Cardiff obviously as I said build everything around your own team and your own personnel but um, for us I, I feel like we've got um, you know, all quarterbacks or non-quarterbacks, I think we've got quite a fast team in places, people that run, you know, pretty crisp routes, not not anything un unreal or anything um, too good or, or what people can't replicate by any means. But um, for me, I'm looking firstly uh, at the defence and saying to myself, where is there a fifth guy on the field? Is there a guy and go after on this game? Um, and if there is let's make sure we can put him in there as much as possible because the first thing I'll try and do is get that guy one-on-one -on -one with someone where he can't hide. Zone coverage, you can hide a bit. You can tell someone, well, just cover the flat, just stay down there. It'll be okay. Just don't, you know, don't leave too much space. And then, you know, don't get me wrong, you can still go after him a bit, but it's the principle of kind of exposing them on a wider scale is a lot harder. So for me, I want to, if I want to go after someone like that, I'm, putting a guy in the backfield of me and essentially telling the defence, look, there's two of us in the back. Um, we're going to have three receivers lined up and I want you to cover my three receivers with your three guys. Now pick your three because you're going to have to blitz us two as QBs. Otherwise, we're just going to pick you apart. It's too long to kind of throw. At that stage, it's kind of... It's a game of 1v1, who's better than who? Uh, is where you, I guess, uh, in, a, in a contact world, make your money. Um, I want to see, I just want to see how they match up. If I can, you know, move my guys around because I can put, you know, someone like Kostas, who I think is one of the best receivers in Britain, on their worst player, then 
don't don't believe that I'm not going to do that every single play until they start changing around. And when they start changing, I'll keep changing. But um, yeah, I'm looking one at a sort of matchup perspective. Can I get our best on their worst and um, vice versa? Um, but then another way I kind of approach it is to see how they're going to adapt just just for one or two plays. I don't necessarily want to use it all game, but I want to show it to them, make them really think about it, uh, you know, see how they line up. Um, and obviously, if they're not ready for it, it's, it's a great opportunity for us. But it's not, not something that I tend to play all game with because I want to see how a defence moves around. Do they, if I line someone up on the line of scrimmage and drop them back into the backfield... Do they react differently than me putting someone already 10 yards in the backfield with me pre-snap? Is those kind of adjustments, I want to see them, how they react. You know, you break a huddle, you've got, what, five seconds to react, see the fields of defenders. I want to see who the guy is that's going to be barking the orders for someone to, uh, you know, go cover that guy. Okay. And when you're looking for the matchups, is it, a, you know, particularly with the, in that kind of, uh, when you using a multiple QB kind of offense. Uh, is it physical attributes you're looking for? Is it the slowest guy? Or is it actually about when you're trying to make somebody make a decision? Um, you know, like you're saying, in, 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 a, in a vanilla offense, I'm covering this guy, he's going to run over there, I will chase him. Um, whereas when, as soon as you get that, so, it, it, you know, she's perhaps thinking, she might throw, she might run, she, uh, I, I don't know. Um, which, which is it you're looking for, the physical kind of aspects of, of someone, uh, or is it, say, their, uh, um, you know, the, the mental aspects of the game that you're looking to kind of expose? Um, I, I, it, I, it's definitely a combination of both. Um, because there's moments, for me, I use my first drive on offense as a drive to give a couple of different looks, a couple of different plays, and... To be brutally honest, I'll go off of that first drive and say I can tell you what's, what they're going to do on every single root combination for the most part. And for me, that then dictates the next few drives. I can kind of call plays and loosely know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, one was look for physical. If, you know, for example, I use them again. Like, Costas is about six foot two, quite fast. If I can get him on someone quite short that's a nice matchup um, and but obviously in that first drive I, again i'm trying to stretch people i want to see them are they good moving laterally do they backpedal well do they transition well do they run um you know they're the things we we want to kind of see in that first drive we want to get essentially test you and, and push your limits from the off um and obviously it's, it's easier to do when there's some teams that you already know there's some teams you play so regular that you don't really even need to do that too much on a first drive, but even then, st still have a look at it. Um, but mentally, yeah, def definitely. There's, there's a lot of QB, two QB designs where I want to put someone in a bind from the off. I want to either tell, you know, I might run someone in the same direction as where the two QB would have dropped from. So he's kind of saying, right, do I go and cover? Uh, the guy's just running across my face and stay with him, or is it make more sense to go and chase a second QB? Because that bind opens up two avenues. Obviously, there might be a miscommunication, uh, passing off someone if he does go to blitz and vice versa. So, um, yeah, yeah, you are you're definitely testing people um, from the off, and and if you can get hold of film that would dictate one or the other, or you know, if you can get essentially, if you can get hold of film or see previous experiences of teams, it definitely helps. You, you just kind of, or, or at least for myself, I just remember those things. They just stick in my head, and uh, they don't really leave. Oh, that's a sad life. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be this. It's got to be nerds to be coaching in this game. Uh, quick, actually, quick, get you in on this one, then, Dale. Um, which would you, which would you rather face? The 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 wily veteran who's dropped a few steps, or the 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 young buck, 
clearly uh, an, an athlete with, with pace and strength and, and leaping, leaping ability. But yeah, if you if in Joe's concept there, you're looking for the weak link. Who, who's the one you go after? The the wily veteran or the uh, um, the 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 rookie athlete? I, I would pick on the rookie. I would I would bank on the fact that sooner or later um, they'd get greedy. Um, one of the things I really like from from Joe's talk is when he talks about don't get greedy. And I know that's part of your your offensive mantra, but I think it also applies to, to playing defence as well. To to play defensive back, particularly to play corner, I think you need you need some experience. The physical tools are un undoubtedly important. But when you've seen it before, when you've got that built in patience, you know, I think about I think about your team winning that final, you know, um show and the interception that kind of turned the game around was just patience from the corner, just playing his man, playing his man, and then he, he knew the ball was coming out to the flat, so he jumped it, and that was it, game, game over. So, yeah, I would I would pick on the inexperienced, more athletic, um, young, young buck rather than the wily veteran. The wily veteran will, will catch you out. You know, yeah. brought in that you had at Leicester, there's a number of times oh. he beat me. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, you might have years on him, but he's he's got that experience. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Craig Braun. Well, yeah, that was uh, that's a blast from the past. But indeed, indeed, yeah, uh, yeah. Some um, yeah, some decision making. Although I'm not sure you've ever lost a pace though. I don't know. I never saw him in his prime. To be fair, <laughs> I, only, I only played him, played with him when he was uh, the, the wily veteran. But um, actually, Joe. So you're talking about your kind of the yeah you you've on that first drive and you're picking out sort of um where you're kind of setting the team up um multiple qb what's your first play i know you've not got a chalkboard here but if you're looking to sort of see how a team reacts to that 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 a multiple quarterback what's the first play you would go for just to sort of see um what, what they're going to do time i would if i was gonna sh it's kind of two ways I, I kind of approach it so the first way is to kind of drop someone already existing back so defense can see it pre-snap okay. uh, and and that's how they you know coming, coming out from the formation i've got someone you know more than likely to say like the far left of me hugging the sideline he's eight yards deep or so um and i'll come and show that to him and most of the time i'll let i'll let them talk uh <laughs> i just kind of line that up and for a good couple of seconds, I want to see what they're saying because mo most people don't—they don't talk in code on a field. Um, there is no talk, uh, and and a lot of people are not necessarily prepared for it. So a lot of the time is, you know, for, for example, it'll just be like, "Oh, Dale, I've got to go. I've got to go blitz that guy. Yeah, is that okay? If are you going to cover this flat out here?" And it's all out loud, so you, you do get a quick, <laughs> quick little figure for it really fast. So give them kind of a couple of seconds, but not enough to you know really solidify all the way across the defense exactly what's going on um in that particular scenario i probably just fled the one side and wouldn't even throw to the wouldn't even look at the second qb for, for the most part just something that gets a ball out fast just because i want to see if they play man or not if they play man then that's when we kind of expand it a bit more but most of the time i line up sort of someone back left put two others to the right flood the zone out there and and kind of just see how they adapt because to me you treat it like a trips look so you're gonna have to cover a center a slot right and a wide right yeah um and no one's on the left but typically in flag you play quite balanced so you would have maybe two defenders on the left now one of them should go and blitz him if they don't they're in trouble they're in trouble regardless we're flooding the right side so, so don't need to worry about that but i want to see what both of those two defenders figure out what they're going to do. Is one going to go and play to the other side? Is he, you know, what's he going to do? Because all it sets up is if they decide, you know, they're going to go play like a, a sort of triangle, if you like, on the right, then it gives us, and they blitz to the left, then it gets a bit of, you know, a ton of room to the left. I might even use the quarterback on that guy blitzing him as a one-on-one -on -one advantage. Um, it's probably something that people don't probably do enough, but is a lot of running routes from a second quarterback because it's, you know, if I flood everyone to the right sideline um, and I've got, you know, they're all playing man on the right sideline, I've got a quarterback next to me 
uh, one-on-one with someone blitzing him. You've got to remember that that's uh, at least seven yards of someone sprinting towards someone who's got essentially a straight line ahead of him if he wants it. And again, again kind of no space in be- behind that uh, you can't just run into. It's just kind of open field. So it is something to look at. But then also line him up in slot left or, or kind of just get a nice little spread look. Uh, and drop in from somewhere else in the field, see how they move then. The difference is um, I find that when you do this on the sort of the first play, it's messy. It's not you that's messy, it's the defence is messy. And because it's not conventional and you don't see it, it's definitely a play where you can make a mistake on a first play as a quarterback just because you have... Just like then, they have no idea what's going on as a defense. You have no idea what's going on because you're trying to read a field and you've got some kind of someone covering the left flat, someone in the deep middle, two people on the line of scrimmage. It's just a bit of a mess. So you do it for me. You just kind of want to see the men communicate. All right, someone needs to cover him and we need to cover this. So you want to see that communication happen, but not too quickly, I'd say. So as Dale has said, you get the wily veteran to be patient. That's interesting, yeah, because often <clears throat> when it is that kind of uh, an unconventional offense, the kind of the, the the conventional wisdom is to to snap the ball really quickly, catch everybody out. But yeah, yeah. actually, what you're actually doing is, is and and appreciate what you're saying because yeah, you're gonna you're probably going to end up with chaos and no structure. You can pick apart structure, you can't pick apart chaos because how can you you can't predict what's going to happen next because you know there's someone in the middle of the field completely lost and they will you know and without that structure and that so um i I totally get what you're saying there so yeah that makes a lot of sense and just being patient patient. yeah yeah i said just don't i just don't get greedy with what someone gives me so yeah most of the time i won't throw 10 yards on the field on the first play there's just absolutely no need especially if they've got something else to think about Yeah, Um, yeah And, and, you know, as you said about the smoke game in the final, and um, obviously, Dale, you've, you've watched it. I will, you know, I don't mean I've ever said this on the record, but one, for, for us as a defence playing the smoke, they're a methodical team, and I know exactly how they play. Charlie's probably the most intelligent quarterback out there. Um, he is exceptionally clever and probably the most... Uh, he, he can quantify anything on a field very quickly. Um, and I'd urge people to talk to him, to be honest, to see how he goes about it. His game management skills are fantastic. And so for us, most of the time, we're going to games thinking, right, I can just kind of outsmart this team. And and even if we do struggle a little bit physically, I know we can, we've got a mental edge on them. But when you play a team like that, it's about kind of testing that patience, that willpower of a team. And then we, truth be told, played a very, if I had to kind of assess it, a bad defence. We played, in a, in a weird kind of sense, we played sort of like a diamond where we kind of played one guy quickly um, to just kind of take away the quick passes to slot because obviously Charlie gets in the centre quite a lot. So we didn't want the ball coming out quickly inside and then we used our two widest corners to kind of cover the sidelines because I know Charlie's got an absolute rocket of an arm. He can make those passes as quick as he can make the inside passes. So they were quite isolated, but then we had one play over the top of everyone and just kind of keep a lid on everything, keep everything in front of us and just kind of make them work methodically. That does go into their their game plan as such. Of They're a very patient team and, and like us, they don't really run out of patience. But the one thing I wanted was all of us to be in a position to take any chances that come our way. So though what well, I think we ended up with two interceptions and they were the game swingers. Without those interceptions, we never beat them there. Because they every every drive, I knew they were going to score. My assumption going into that game was I'm going to score every drive. Are they going to score every drive? And that's it. And it is a case of who gets that ball, um, the last ball, last possession on, on the half, if we've got it, fantastic. Um, but I know Charlie's an absolute expert getting that last ball, and he will beat a lot of teams by getting that last ball. Um, and he's done it to the button hookers uh, many, many a time. He always gets that last possession, which is critical to me. Um, but yeah, it, it's 
not a good de what we've done against them is not a good defense but i knew you have to test someone patiently you can play deep um and, and you know really backed off but are you can you resist that deep shot for the entire game and sometimes you can and can and depends who you are it, it for me that's a different sort of test i, I mean there was nothing on that defensive footage that we really done. I was like, "What fantastic defense!" It wasn't. It was just. It was a purpose and uh, patience. Indeed. Well, at least you got episode two for me sorted. So I'll be uh, on the phone to Charlie. Thank you. Um, and yeah, just one final uh, question on that. Do you find on that first play that you 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 were describing, is it normally the the original quarterback is the most likely to be open. Um, it's chaos. <laughs> it's it's utter chaos. If you if you're throwing back to anyone, um, if you're throwing to a second QB on a first play, it's more than likely because no one at all has gone to cover him. Yeah. Uh, in which case, uh, I, I mean, all the guys kind of know I don't ever have a problem with you running the ball as a second quarterback. It's a safe, safe option. Yeah. Can't can't throw an interception and you can't really fumble the ball. Um, so for me, take taking five, ten yards, crack on, happy, go for it. Um, very low risk, not a problem with it. Um, but at the same time. If, if they are covered, I'm happy to go elsewhere as an original quarterback to throw to someone else. I'm always happy flooding a 2-2, two -two, so that's <laughs> fine with me. No, I, I get it. And I think, yeah, just, the summary is it's not that first play. It's it's the fact that you've listened to the chatter on that first play and they've probably, like, they've got their base concept and maybe they'll just shift it over and, yeah, you're hearing them. You're doing that, you're doing that. So you could perhaps run the same play, exactly the same play again but not only will they know what they're doing <laughs> because this time rather than the chaos in the second oh, time yeah. you've run it you've got it and so you say well he should be doing that xx and then uh, that that makes that makes a lot of sense so um yeah appreciate that joe it's good um, to but i mean what was the the benefit of rushing the play sometimes yeah. doesn't go your way well, it's yeah. great to catch him off guard but in flag where it's not a massive space true so you can figure it out with them and then you're ahead of the play for me that makes sense that makes sense um and then we're going to move on to the the, the topic that, that that um that dale was uh wanted to talk about today and, it, and it's kind of interesting in that we're, we're again we're moving away the 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 captain is the quarterback um and you know what dale was wanted to talk about was kind of the players uh, about leadership the relationship between captains and other players um do you want to kind of uh, give us a broad introduction dale on on the what you wanted to talk about today yeah yeah definitely um it it's really some thinking that's evolved i suppose over over a long period of time for me um a lot of my my coaching uh, actually comes through rugby um did a you know, i was at my last school for, for 18 years um and started coaching rugby there didn't really understand what i was doing and i thought that basically your job was to from the from the touchline shouting lots of instructions and it, was, it was all it was all tell you know you've got you've got tell you've got sell you've got ask and you've got delegate that's what you're taught when you start doing some and learning around coaching and and everything was telling i thought if i'm up and down the touchline and i'm sweating more than the players and i'm giving them lots of instruction you know that's that's great coaching um <laughs> it was it was learning from some from wiser people really than, than myself but actually it's the players game you know first and foremost that they are the ones who have to make the decisions but really opened my eyes to a, a, a different approach to that and then American football, I, you know, I loved football, started watching it in, in the 80s, as lots of people of you know, our generation did, on Channel 4 and, 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 you know, and, and so on. And conceptually seemed really different as well, because you had obviously the quarterback as this, this pivotal role who seemed to be shouting out lots of instructions that 
didn't make any sense, but it was very, very, very exciting. And then you started to understand that, well, coaches are they're wearing headsets and they're sending in all this, all of this information. And I thought, okay, so this is a different sort of concept. And when I got into to coaching flag football um, as, as well, I had a, had a youth team, worked with a guy called Dave Lee, who you'll, you'll both, both know, Indeed. who I learned a yes. tremendous amount from, um, excellent on fundamentals. You know, one of the things I, I learned from Dave was the, the real value of doing the teaching properly. But where we gelled was, was the idea that ultimately it does need to be the player's game, even with something like football, which I think is it's not as fluid as rugby or, 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 or soccer, where, yes, literally players are making decisions all of the time. But there's still scope definitely with, with football to allow the players to, to take ownership of what, what they're doing. And that's when... Your captain is important. That's when your leaders right across the field are, are really important. And I'm fascinated by Joe's thoughts around the sort of the two QB because what you're doing there, of course, is you're you're making everybody decision makers. You've got suddenly more space space to play with. Your route might say X, but actually I might want to adapt that because there's more space over over there. But how am I? making that gel with the other decisions that others, others are making. Um, one of the real highlights from the from the virtual BAFTA conference for me was Simon Browning's um, talk, and this was on delegated leadership, and he'd done a huge amount of, of learning um, a, a, around this. And I'm not there yet in terms of being able to hand over that, that degree of control, but what he was describing, I mean, he's done superb work with the, with the Valkyries in, in, in Cardiff. Uh, and what he was describing there was a way of making it very much the player's game, you know, teaching them some rules, giving them a fr framework, but actually they're the ones who make dis decisions. And it's, there's a bit of a debate, you know, Simon will say it's just semantics, whether the RPO, you know, is, is really teaching the quarterback the rules and then he or she makes the decisions, or whether it is truly delegated um, leadership and what I think what Simon was that was advocating really powerfully was the idea that the players are the leaders the players are the, the decision makers and then he reserves the right as the coach to, to step in to intervene if everything goes goes really really badly so that ultimately if you've done your job as, as a teacher properly that they can make they can make decisions and actually that's that's better for them. That's empowering for them. Um, that's that's a way that they can see their way through any situation, any any problem that you know somebody like Joe Cottrell throws throws at you. So um, <laughs> that's really where my sort of thinking is coming from on, on on this. Very interesting, Joe. Any initial thoughts on on that on that? So it's... No, we kind of talked briefly, didn't we? Um, in the week. Um. And, and leadership for me is just a, a crazy topic because, uh, you know, I love autobiographies uh, and I love kind of stories essentially around sort of sports teams and, and businesses from sort of all levels. And um, there's honestly, like throughout all of my reading, I've never really been able to put down traits that are just like, right, he's a, he's a definite leader. You, you read about someone like Steve Jobs, terrible temper and just but you had a kind of can-do attitude as such you always wanted things done a particular way and then you read about someone like eddie jones who all kind of is not really the same type of person it's all very i think it, it genuinely depends on on the players you do have around you i think there's a bit of adaptability as coaches which you need um i'm sure dale's had tons of experience coaching uh, children that some children react to certain sort of criticisms a lot better than others. Uh, some obviously need building up, some need to be given energy, some need to be, you know, really forced into things and, and they kind of open up then. But um, it's a very wild topic. And um, I said to the peer review about that book I read called The Captain's Class by Sam Walker, definite recommend to anyone who just like sports, uh, likes the topic of leadership. It, it's a, it, honestly the best book I've ever read on it kind of thing. And um, just kind of the, the traits, uh, I guess, uh, kind of 
talked about, I guess, you, you can kind of see it in different people, but even in that book, it, it, to briefly quickly go away, it's just that it talks about tons of different teams, uh, successful ones like All Blacks or Cuban women's volleyball, talk about football, cricket, the, the lot. Um, the, kind of a good team from every era as such is not really pinned down. And it only really talks about the elite teams, which kind of makes you think, right, well, surely they're elite teams. They've got to all have elite captains with elite traits. And then you read on and none of them are really alike. Um, so it is very fascinating. And and for me, I do I do think leadership is not really something you teach as such. I, I do think there's people who are naturally quite good at, you know, different subsections of leadership. Like, I, I think some people are very good people, 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 if you like. Yeah. They, they're negotiators. They can talk to everyone. It's super easy for them. It just comes natural. And someone like that um, who can kind of get a message from players to coaches and be that middleman, but also be, if you like, one of the lads, um, is a great, great captain, but they're not really doing anything that's too outlandish. They're just kind of being them. And I kind of do like natural leadership. I, I've been in a couple of teams before where, you know, the, the best players being the guy that everyone's like, oh, he's got to be the captain. He's the best, he's the best player. And then you kind of get into a, a team with them and you're like, well, they're quite uninspiring. They're highly motivated. You know, they're great in the gym and stuff like that, but they don't really talk much. Uh, they keep themselves to themselves. They kind of, they're, you know, they're a good player, but they kind of just lead by example of what they're doing rather than sometimes filling the actual gaps of leadership that's needed, whether that's, you know, energising people, uh, kind of getting them on board with what the team's trying to do. It's a difficult topic, um, mm. but it's why I kind of enjoy reading about so many different things, I think. Yeah, good point. And I think certainly back up what you're saying, you see it a lot in premiership football where the best player is made captain um, and not necessarily the best leader. But um, but yeah, Dale, you were looking to, I mean, in this concept, you're looking at that everyone has a, a leadership role. Is that what is that what you're thinking? Yeah, de definitely. There's um, I'm trying to get into a few different podcasts um, as well. There's one... Um, I think it's leaders, not captains. Um, Bo Robinson, he's a former Wallaby um, player, um, and that's fascinating in some of the discussions that he that he he has there. Uh, one of my favourite rugby coaches was um, is, should say, um, Stuart Lancaster, um, and a, a big part of of why he's very successful. Um, I know things didn't work for him with with, with England, you know, just prior to the. Eddie Jones uh, era uh, and sort of bombing out of the World Cup and so on was was really really hard. But what I liked was the idea that he spoke very much about embedding that that culture first, and it was the culture and and then everything else was going to to flow from that. And the leadership for him, I think, is very much a case of you need to get everybody on on, on board within your organisation, within your team, within your you know, your, your your company. And you, you definitely need to get those, those less experienced players, those less experienced people within the group to, to step up and accept that they have a role. And John, I'm fascinated by you know, what you, you, you talk about in terms of talking, because I do, I do think there's, a, there's an important role there. I would say some of the traits of, of leaders and, and effective leaders are about building relationships with people, are about inspiring uh, people, but I'm conscious. Andrew, you asked a really interesting question in the week about you know, the the quieter person, the more sort of if you like in, introverted um, leader. And I do think there are people who can who can inspire by their by their play, by their work ethic, by their commitment. But I think they really need to understand what the values of that organisation, that team, that uh, that that group are first and foremost, and then that commitment will sort of shine through. Um, the way that they play, the way that they train, the way that they hold others to account, you know, silently or or perhaps in a more in a more vocal way um, as, as well. Um, I mean, 
Andrew, I have to thank you for meeting Phoebe Schechter, actually, because when you got me involved years ago with scouting for GB Women's, women's Flag, that was the, it was on the sideline of one of the, they called it the Summer Series, uh, that yes. I first met Phoebe. Um, I mean, she was coaching, I think it was Staffordshire, Staffordshire Surge at the time. Uh, and I, I mean, she must have just thought I was, I was terribly patronising, but I went up to her and I just said, you know, the way that you're leading, the way that you're encouraging this, this team is, is just phenomenal. And, you know, when you see Phoebe playing with the Dukes and they're running rings around my team or whoever it, it might be, you see that same sort of personality infecting everybody um, around, around her. And I think you know, that's one of the qualities that I would say you really want to tap into. Phoebe doesn't need to be your team captain. Doesn't even need to be your coach, but having that ability to lead others. Um, I think Pat Lamb from Bristol Bears talks about you know everybody can lead because everybody can influence somebody else, and I think that's what you know, really good natural leaders um, do, do all of the time. They they influence the, the people around them. That's paid dividends at the Bears as well. They've been fantastic ever since he kind of took over, and um, I think it's really telling to see. I say, well, I say my age, I kind of know him. Um, Callum Sheedy's obviously playing fly half in the Bears, and he is been there for years now and kind of worked his way up. And and it's to me, he has obviously gone in there. That they are you. You are probably waiting for listeners. He's quite undersized for rugby. Isn't the biggest bloke. Uh, you're, there's a clip of Carl Singler telling. Uh, I think is Elliot Daly to kick the ball at Cal, uh, Callum Sheedy during the Six Nations because he's just not a big fellow and he, you know, they think they'll compete with him. But he's playing one of the most critical positions for debatably England's best side right now, or one of at least. And there, to me, is no way that he's just sat there kind of saying nothing. And I do, see, I, I do see what he means. Obviously, there's energizers if you like in the team. The people like Phoebe bring the buzz all the time. And I think you need those people just because yeah. it's so hard to, if you're not necessarily in a good mood or, or really feeling training, sometimes you turn that and you're a bit, oh, I'm in again today, I don't want to be here, kind of thing. And then you get there and you are Phoebe screaming her head off, you know, just excited to be there and keeping everyone happy <laughs> and morale is high. I think that can be the tight tie turner sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really tough. So for me, yeah, I love it. But then someone like, you know, Callum in this example is a young person in a very experienced team. How do you as that person get into that team in such an influential role uh, and you're trying to help out? As you say, play your part. Everyone's playing a bit of influence in the team. And for me, it the only thing I can really think of is through play. Now, like he, he bringing such a, a high standard of play at such a young age, at such an unknown kind of person. For me, I think that is yeah one of the the qualities that do help. And and really, really fascinated by Dale's leadership aspect of everyone has a role because when you actually put it into your team, and you think right, what does everyone do for the team? What, you know, like, what's this person kind of like? Like, I've just sat here, been thinking about Cardiff as a whole, and I'm like, you know what, actually, he brings this, he does that. He, no one thinks of him like that, but 100% he is that guy. So it's, it's very expansive. Yeah, and I suppose, I, it, 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 from what I could try to understand here, so your quiet one, she might be the one that turns up on, on early, is always ready for training is is and it's this quiet motivation I, I know what you mean by sort of uh, phoebe's kind of energy levels but other can bring that quiet energy levels like uh, they're, they're the they're almost that metronome as in no matter what 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 state the game's in you could be losing 50 nil you could be in an absolute barnstorm a tied game you could be winning 50 nil she's going to be that same person and there's that constance that uh, you know that could that but i guess my in in that kind of realm of of those of what if you've got the the dominant character and yeah. it's a positive it's a positive yeah, but they can yeah. almost drown out all the other voices and um 
when they're in when you're in the huddle and and some and the coach say, or someone asks a question, you know that's the the first answer is and not necessarily a bad answer. But how how do you kind of manage the the over enthusiasm um, yeah, aspect yeah. there? What's your thoughts that's, on that? Yeah, that's, that's a really really good point. I I you know I worked with some excellent guys when I was playing for GB. There's a guy called Tim Smith. Um, yeah. Wow. Who, who is an amazing player, um, and I think, you know, I learned a, a lot from him about sort of work ethic and, and, and skill and, and the importance of, of fundamentals as well. And, and Tim was a big, a big personality. You know, I had a, probably my last coaching decision, um, do you go for the draw with the one-point conversion or do you go for two points, get the, get the win? We're up against Italy. It's the last play of the game. Um, and we threw to Tim, and we were we were inches short. You know, we, 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 we didn't win that didn't win that game, and you know, that was that was Euros, and that was our chance at, at a medal sort of slip, slipping away. But so Tim was somebody that you went to. Tim was dependable, but Tim was also a you know a powerful personality, and and he had opinions. And I think you know what I've what I've reflected on is had I had to manage Tim, I think I would have struggled. I think I would. You know, back then I would have, um, and I say I use the term manage quite deliberately as well. You know, that idea that I need to sort of control his his input, so I need to control uh, his ideas. And I think you know, through doing a little bit more reading, I read um, Rebel Ideas, Matthew Syed, um, who did Banks and, and so on as well. Um, and that's really interesting about um, diversity of thought and how you want those people who essentially will will raise difficult questions or disruptive questions or look at a problem in a slightly different way in order to come to a better solution. Now, the huddle's a difficult time. You know, Joe, you're a quarterback and you probably don't want huge amounts of discussion in the huddle. If you're in and out in, in 25 seconds or if you're in, you know, some of those competitions, it's, it's an even shorter time than that. And it's, and it's not a democracy. But I think the, the principle of being able to harness different people's ideas um, in order that you come to a, a, a better outcome is, is probably what I'd like to be able to, to do. And, you know, when you think about national program level, you know, we've all had experience of that. The people that you you recruit to national program, they've got to have opinions. They've got to have ideas. You know, otherwise, what are they doing there? You know, at that level, you, you, you've, you've got to have something to contribute. So. It's it's a balance, isn't it? It's a careful careful balance to try and try and strike between wanting those those rebel ideas and that divergence of thought, but also not wanting it to to take us off course or to delay us from getting out of the huddle and having a clear idea of yeah, this is the play this is where we're looking to to, to attack. It's not a very good answer, I'm afraid. There is, there is no, a... I, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's really tough. Sorry, Joe, I missed what you said there. No, no, I, I don't think there All is right. a perfect answer, to be fair. I, I, I do agree. I, I, and I think, especially at international teams, um, you know, one that people might know because there's a recency, but England rugby struggling like mad. Obviously, we're not saying it's a power struggle by any stretch of imagination, but I always do think how does someone like Eddie Jones... Um, Composite a team like that. You've got Owen Farrell, Maroto, J2, Burden Lions captains. For me, that's trouble in itself. But then you've got probably massive decision makers, people like Henry Slade, who's massively influential at club level. Um, the list goes on all the way through that team. They're all, at the end of the day, stars of their domestic team. So they all are probably, for the large part, quite big decision makers. So when they get to that level, do you see guys simmer down? Do you see guys kind of, right, okay, this is all taken care of. Farris and Toje got this in the bag. You know, we're fine. We don't really, we, you know, we just need to go about whatever they ask of us and, and go from there. But like you said, everyone has an idea. Everyone has an opinion. How do they get that across? Are they going to do it when it's too late on the field and try and change things then? Or do they pitch in early and try and get changes to happen? It's, must be a coach's nightmare. <laughs> it's not for me. I read um, yeah. Clive Woodward's um, book, Winning, 
Um, and it was recommended by a, a guy I was coaching, um, club rugby side. It was my my son's side that I coached from about 2010 to 2016, and it was it was fantastic, really enjoyable. Um, and he he talks about leadership, but he also talks about he makes up a few words. I really like Clive Woodward. Um, and he talks about followership, and you you also need to have that idea that people understand that they have a role to play as well in respect of who has been appointed to lead this particular aspect, whether it's following the captain or, you know, be Johnny Wilkinson's autobiography and he throws a bad pass at Jeremy Guskett and Jeremy Guskett sort of berate, berates him. And so understanding your 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 role in terms of the whole, I think is, is really important as well. So maybe we can't all lead all of the time, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting Really interesting dilemma. Yeah, I like the, word, the idea of followership actually, and I want some of the as the kind of the, the second in command is or the first person to say yes, coach, or that's a good idea. That that that's a, there's a there's an understated leadership. So leader the the leader A will say something, but it's the first mm. person to say I agree, let's do it, and that that can be um, that can be really powerful. So I don't know if that counts as followership. Maybe that's something I'd have to uh, read upon. You've lots of quote, lots of books been thrown here. So what we will do is put them in. Uh, I don't know what we call it in uh, here under the podcast. They say the show notes. I'm also going to probably have to start to do some reading up on rugby references. I have no idea who uh, those people you've mentioned. So don't be um, reading this. Dale, Dale is a, an oracle and tackling. <laughs> so just dig into Dale's brain. Just don't ask don't or do because no, that is my next question <laughs> Did you, uh, that, that's that's awkward because my final question that i just wrote down then as we were talking there i thought oh, here's, here's one. you might you may have seen the last dance yeah with michael Jordan. Oh, ah, thank god for that because that's i was just about to die then so uh, phil jackson as a leader there he stepped back a lot massively and he had when you think about the characters he had there you know obviously michael jackson scotty pippen who had probably been a, a was was a starter on any other team and dennis rodman and all that i mean, I mean is that you know that's where you know did you know i suppose my, my question there is to either of you was was, what kind of leadership does that by Phil Jackson, the coach, to almost step back so much and have so much, I'm going to use the word ego for, for want of a better word, but there was so much ego, a bit positive ego, really, because obviously so many championships. But, you know, was that a brave decision? Was he, was it intuitive? Was he just overwhelmed by, uh, or did they win despite him, I suppose? Go on, Joe, you go first. This is your area. <laughs> Um, so I, I've read Eleven Rings, which is um, Phil Jackson's book. Oh, right. So I've got a bit of an upper hand, yeah. but I'll say if, if I've done awesome. my view, um, I would personally, in his shoes, given the differences in sport, I think basketball is so so heavy on the mental side of the game, um, as much as the physical. We all saw in that in, in just that sort of series alone, you get the idea you've got Michael Jordan, who is the best player to have ever played, who's probably the best trash talker to ever have played, put him in one team. And in my eyes, someone like that, you kind of, and I think most America, it's quite an American thing if you like to do, but it's to say, Michael, what, what do you want? How do we, how do we win every game? how what do we need to give you to let us win um and i think scotty pippen plays such an important role in it he's someone that plays that gap he between star player um creating that big three does the dirty work does the pretty work but isn't michael jordan so at the end of the day he's not not going to get that attention I think you could have had a vet, you know, a very disruptive personality in there, and it would have completely thrown the team off. Um, which, which then brings in Dennis Rodman. You've got this superstar who is the most erratic, volatile personality. Doesn't really align with things. And personally, I think they gave him all the support 
that he needed to be a good player in the team. Um, there's times which I think probably as a coach, you can't really control it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a player is going to do what a player is going to do. If a player wants to go out for long nights, <laughs> go out for long nights, you just got to accept that, especially at that level. What, what can you really do about it? And I think Phil kind of just lets it happen. And I don't mean I don't mean that in the sense of oh, it's lazy leadership, but what if he someone like Rodman who has such probably a volatile personality, if you were turned around to Rodman and said, Right, you're suspended for five games because you've been out past two AM and we say everyone's gotta be in, you're just fighting fire with fire and eventually you probably go down the road of right, we've got a training a uh, trading rather. But at that point, you know you can get something good out of him and he is in in loose terms a good person you know he's not hurting the team physically um might not be 100% and and align with your team goals and how you want the team to be and culturally fit but it all for me fits back to what michael wanted he got got one of the best defensive players of the era to come and play with him for little money and, and so forth the little factors are built in but for me it was just kind of phil's way of saying michael this is your team you know we'll go and get whatever you want again you got someone like steve kirk who just sat in the corner and and sharp shot for them every every time he could so it is for me it is a is a fine balance um would that would that particular coaching leadership style work in 90 percent of our teams absolutely not not a chance you could not get away with it or you couldn't let you know one person like dennis rodman have all those rules and the rest of the team have different rules you know it's just such a bizarre circumstance that i do think was probably quite carefully produced it's definitely not a philosophy that you go into a team and and say right i'm the new head coach um this is my philosophy. One of you can go and be wild. One of you is the star. So it's, it's all adapted, isn't it? You know, he's got his players. He said, right, how do I make this work? And, and I think that's what he's done. It's probably not the, it's not written in textbooks on how to coach a team or manage a team, but no. I'm sure when he looks down at his fingers, he's probably not too bothered once he realizes. The, say, yeah. Problem. Yeah. I'm sure he's not tuning in here, hoping that Dale will go say say nice things about him. But does that does that you know just to round this off as the final bit? Does that kind of um, you know where Phil Jackson clearly proved proved himself in other in other aspects? Um, that, but he was able to like like you said, let go and let the players. There was, there was leadership on the on the field and a, a broad range of it, a broad range of leadership. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan was probably the the, the kind of the emblematic of the, the typical leader, but then you got uh, you know um, uh, someone like Dennis Rodman who would just work so hard on the uh, in practice. To be fair to him, I don't know whether we had a lot late nights, Joe, or just late weekends or late weeks, where he rather than you know be back by Tuesday rather than two a.m. Um, yeah. But you know after a Friday night. But yeah, is that is that kind of obviously it's a very um, star-studded and 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 uh a key um team but is that something you could apply to a lot of teams as well you know like not, not a lot of this with the extreme characters but you know that hands-off approach is letting the players make those decisions for themselves as you were saying it's for, for me i think there's a, a principle around recognizing who your leaders are and recognizing perhaps who your stars are, are, are as well so you know on En route to, to playing for the Chittas the Sharks, I was with for a short time a team called the Barbarians, and we, oh, we were based in Horsham. Um, and we were just bringing in any, anybody who wanted to play. So we had you know, a guy called Tony Stitt, who I think was on the 49ers practice squad at one, one point, one of the <laughs> nicest human beings I've, I've, I've ever met, and incredibly athletic uh, as well. And at one point, we had John Wise come and, come and play for us also. And it's, there was nothing <laughs> that I was going to teach John Wise. You know, it was, <laughs> it was it was my team and Dave's team and a guy called um, Jake Ashman. You, Andrew, you might remember as well. The guys largely coming from a contact and um, back background. But I remember, you know, I remember jo- John showing this once uh, how to run 
um, how to run a hook route. And there was so much movement in, in, in there. I mean, there were probably seven or eight different movements. And this is taking me back to sort of 2005, 2006. And I still remember him demonstrating this. And you think, you know, that's a star. And you so you, you recognize that quality. You, you let somebody like that just loose on the field and you let them do what they're, what they're able to do. And actually, he's a great leader as well because there's a, mm. a strong sense of integrity with, with, with John, clearly. But, but I, yeah, I think that's a, an important distinction, perhaps, for me, that if, when you have people with phenomenal ability, you would call them the, the star, hopefully they're a leader, but, but maybe you, you, you have to have a slightly different approach to reach them because you don't want to stifle that that creativity that's going to be something that will take you and your team hopefully to to all sorts of heights i think you're right i think you're right um gentlemen thank you so much for your time this evening that's been uh, a, an education in in rugby football in books <laughs> to read my, my my library is gonna uh, get a few more shelves on it by um I perhaps have to watch a few games of rugby first before maybe I, I, I speed in some of those. But so no, but you know, in all seriousness, that's great. Actually, it's fantastic. You kind of lots lots of references there. So um, I might contact you afterwards just so we can put them into into the various Facebook chats because I'm sure that's some fascinating references. But thanks so much for your time, guys. That's I don't know if if no one else has listened or I've just had a, a, a wonderful hour. Thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and uh um yes well uh, and, and yeah thank you also for the tip for the second episode as well so it's as, as at least three or four names you mentioned there so uh but uh thank you guys um yeah, thanks everyone thank you very much for the opportunity yeah thanks for having us andrew it's been uh fantastic even if no one else listens it's great to talk to you you two and uh share ideas uh, any time spent with uh i review chat and these kind of things fantastic and uh, if anyone needs a coach, make sure you all go and hire Dale because uh, <laughs> Dale is the absolute man. This is for sure. This is for sure. Take care, there, folks. Goodbye. Bye bye. Stay safe. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies. 